Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. One and O, oh, and there was no doubt about it. It's the yeah, Steelers right. fix. <laughs> we are coming off a win, and despite some concerning injuries, we are rejoicing over a big Steelers win, beating the AFC representatives from the 2022 February Super Bowl. The Cincinnati Bengals, the Pittsburgh Steelers are 1-0, and and Jeremy Betts mm. and I are here to break it down. It is the Steelers Fix, brought to you by Behind the Steel Curtain, your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. My name is Andrew Wilbar, bringing in Jeremy Betts. Jeremy, what are your initial thoughts after one of the wildest games I've seen in quite some time? The Steelers always do this to us. That's my thought. I'm sitting there on the couch, like, in the first half, sitting there saying, this lead is nowhere near safe. We should be up 28 to three right now. And I can't believe we are going to go into this second half with them being with well within uh, reach of this game after four takeaways in the first half. And I knew it was going to come down to the wire just because the offense was not doing its part and the defense, you can't, you can't keep up and sustain that type of, uh, rampage that they were on in the first half so you knew it was going to kind of come back to haunt them if they could not turn those into points and and it did but uh you know you said there was no doubt man there was plenty of doubt <laughs> Do <you laughs> so remember- much doubt i i i've never i can't recall a game where i was so in and then out and then in and then out you know emotionally uh, I knew we won, and then I knew we had lost, and then I knew we were going to win, and then I knew we were going to lose, and each time it felt like it didn't happen until the very end. See, there was a former Pittsburgh Pirates announcer. I, he was obviously before my time, and the name is slipping me right now. Uh, but my mom, she, she she grew up listening to the Pirates. They would go in – I mean, even when she lived in Michigan, they would go into the basement, put the radio up as high as they possibly could in the basement <laughs> in the corner, and sometimes they would get enough signal to be able to get listen to the Pirates games on the radio, and she'd be playing <laughs> ping pong with her brother. Uh, and, you know, his famous quote at the end, whenever the Pirates won, and there was no doubt about it. It's just like, mm. you know, we Fix need – Every every I, and I always think about that. Even though I never got to hear him personally, I always think about that whenever a Pittsburgh yeah. sports team barely pulls it out. Because <laughs> there was one time my mom was telling me is like the game they did not deserve to win. They almost blew it, and they were up like 
seven or eight runs and then the other team comes back scores like six or seven and then they finally close it out and win it and it's man you know yeah. it's, you can't felt. sports is that's what's so great about sports you can never it's truly not over until the game is over it is over that's right now on the injury front we mentioned the injuries at the beginning the it was a rough day for the Steelers uh, first and foremost, uh, Najee Harris. Let's get Najee out of the way. It looks as if he's uh, survived a mm-hmm. very bad injury. Uh, looks like it aggravated the Liz Frank injury that he was, you know, dealing with during the preseason and training camp. The issues that he was having with that was a foot injury. Kind of saw his leg get bent back on that play where he was just grabbing yeah, his scary foot. Scary looking. It yeah. was very scary looking, especially knowing with what he dealt with in the preseason. But, Jeremy, do you have any concern moving forward? The reports are, are, as of right now, that he is hoping to play in week two. Do you have any concerns with him moving forward? Do you think the Steelers use a little bit more of Jalen Warren next week? Do the Steelers promote Anthony mm-hmm. McFarland onto the roster? Do you see the Steelers doing anything? Uh, or do you believe that Najee Harris will be a full go next week? Well, I think he'll be a full go, but I think it's because it's Najee and he's he wants to play. Um, but I do have some concerns about this. I think after watching – the uh, run game uh, or lack thereof against the Bengals. I have some major concerns that he's going to um, not have an opportunity to get healthy behind that offensive line. Uh, first off, that could not open up anything for him. I think it, you know, was was just as bad as last year. And I'm not going to say it was worse because last year it was the worst we've ever seen, you know, and, and now this year it's going to be the worst we've ever seen. But uh you know, it just wasn't good. And I realize this offense needs time to gel and to uh, get in the flow of the game. It's it's a new offense for everybody, really, uh, the way they're going to try to do things this year. But I, I, I do have concerns about Najee Harris's health going forward. And uh, hopefully he dissuades those this week. But uh, until we see that big game from him, uh, I'm going to have some concerns. It is – very concerning, especially knowing the uncertainty that is behind Najee Harris. We know Jalen Warren had a good preseason, but yeah. he is still unproven. He's an unproven, undrafted rookie. And then we have Benny Snell, which we've all seen what he's capable of. And unfortunately, that's not a whole lot at the NFL level. That's correct. But what's more concerning than a running back injury is an injury to the best pass rusher in the National Football League, and that is one T.J. Watt. Yeah. This one is a lot more concerning, Jeremy, uh, because – of it being a pectoral Mm -hmm. if it is a bad tear it looks like he could miss the entire season and that would be a killer for the Steelers defense the Steelers team and the outlook moving forward however we and we should have more information on this within the next 24 hours with you know the information that we've gotten so far it sounds like we're going to hear this soon so by the time our listeners are hearing this there's a good chance that we know more about the TJ Watt situation yeah but as of right now on Monday night Jeremy what are your thoughts about the Watt injury? What is your confidence level that he we do see him back this year? And what do you think the Steelers should do if TJ Watt does miss extended time, which it sounds like it's going to be at least six weeks? Uh, what do you think the Steelers should do? Are you confident with Malik Reed and the depth, or do you think they need to bring somebody in from the outside? Well, talking about TJ first, you know, I really think the Steelers need to be very careful how they handle this. I know as fans, we all want the team to to try to win it all this year, right? And I know Mike Tomlin and, and company think they have the defense to be able to do that. But without T.J. Watt, you do not have the defense 
I don't believe, to be able to, to complete that type of effort. I know they've got guys to keep them in games on that side of the ball. I don't think the defense will fall off a cliff. Uh, but I do think that it changes how Terrell Austin and Brian Flores and Mike Tomlin will will operate the defense. I mean, four-man pressures are not going to be nearly as effective as they were. Alex Highsmith benefited so much in this game from the Bengals just rolling all of their protection over to TJ Watt's side and Highsmith just feasted in one-on-one matchups. And that's, that's great. That's what you want him to be able to do in this case. But if he's having to be the guy on the defense to rush the passer, that's not a great outlook for the Steelers moving forward. I, I think Malik Reed can be serviceable. I think Jameer Jones can be uh, serviceable in a pinch, but over an extended period, that does not, bode well for this defense and going back to the Steelers being smart about this TJ may want to come back and and do a uh, a rehab only and try to make it back but if that if that makes it more likely that he's going to that he could get re-injured and maybe even be worse then I think the Steelers should maybe sit on it this year sit on TJ Watt let him heal let him get back fully healthy for 2023 and see what you got then maybe it changes their plan a little bit maybe you bring in Kenny Pickett a little bit sooner I mean there's a big fallout that we could have from this whole thing I don't want to get too crazy um, but I do think the Steelers should probably look for outside help if if it looks like he's going to be out more than uh, past the bye week you know if if his return is slated for after the bye week or not the season they need some help in the free agent market I believe now, Jeremy, you had mentioned some of the top free agents available in the BTSC Slack channel earlier today. Mm-hmm. And there are yeah. definitely some intriguing names on there. And I'll let you go first here. What if you had to, you know, just on the spot, name two or three free agents that you think could make sense for the Steelers, whether mm-hmm. it being a big signing or just an underrated signing, making Malik Reed the starter and just adding some extra depth behind him. Who are some guys that you could see the Steelers going after, or maybe just the guys that you think in your own mind would make the most sense. Sure. I'm going to, I'm going to approach this from uh TJ Watts, not coming back standpoint, because I think if he does, if he is coming back, you kind of just hold over with what you got and maybe sign uh, somebody for depth maybe you bring back uh, or is Derek Tuska on the practice squad or did he get signed somewhere else I can't remember is he available I don't Derek think he was on I know that Hamilcar Rashad was, Rashad was waived um, yeah. with an injury settlement but I believe Tuska um, has not been claimed yet um, sure. let me look that up real quick as you continue I would say you bring in a guy like like him you know maybe Quincy Roche if for depth uh, we've talked about him on here before, and Steelers fans are familiar with Quincy Roche. But uh, if TJ Watt's going to miss the season or uh, something along those lines, and I think you you could look to a guy like uh, Jamie Collins, who has a veteran experience in a good defense. He knows how to rush the passer. He knows how to stop the run. Um, obviously, he's an older player. Go ahead. My apologies, and I remember reading something about this and totally forgot, but Derek Tuzga was claimed off waivers by the Tennessee Titans because there were some talks about after um, Ola Adaini becoming one of the team captains there and then bringing in another former Steelers uh, edge rusher. Um, That was my mistake there. Um, But, yes, he uh, was claimed by the Tennessee Titans, so Tuzga is no longer available. That's a big blow. Yeah, it is. Uh, That that hurts the Steelers right now. Absolutely. So, you know, like I said, maybe they go after a guy like a Quincy Roche or maybe they go 
uh, you know, see if somebody else is out there of that caliber. Uh, but Jamie Collins, I like that that name. It, obviously, it's a name, you know, maybe more than a talent at this point. Maybe there's some guys out there. Uh, but at least with Collins, you know, you're getting a veteran who knows how to play football and has done so at the highest level for a while, for a long time. Um, I like D Ford as well. Uh, you know, he, he's got a, a rough rap right now because of uh, his, his offsides in the Super Bowl. Um, you know, but that's in the past. And I think he can still provide quality snaps as an edge rusher. Maybe you uh, take one of those guys on a one year, one year rental uh, and then, you know, you replace him with TJ Watt when he's back healthy. Well, the one other name that is familiar to many Steelers fans now, obviously Quincy Roche is still um, – you have Quincy Roche and um, a couple other smaller, lesser-known yeah. guys. But Taco Charlton is another guy who played really well when he was with the Steelers. And I was one of the ones who was very disappointed when he went on to sign with the New Orleans Saints. It was a surprise yeah. cut, didn't make the team. But we know that he's had success in this Steelers defense and this defensive scheme. I think that he'd be a great signing. Uh, again, you know, I don't – if I had to choose a top guy, I would choose D Ford. But one other guy that I think Steelers fans need to keep an eye on, especially if TJ Watt is only out for six weeks and maybe the Steelers just want to add a little extra depth. His name is Chris Garrett. He was a 2021 mm. uh, late round draft pick, I believe by the Buffalo Bills uh, out of Concordia University um, or Concordia State, actually. Um, no, it was Concordia, excuse me. But his his stats were incredible. I know, I know it's low school low level football but in 2018 he had 16 and a half sacks 19 tackles for loss and eight forced fumbles i mean those are incredible numbers for a small school guy to put up he finished the season um his final season at concordia he finished with 20 and a half tackles for loss 15 forced fumbles that's how do you how do you that's crazy. How, or excuse me, that, that is career total is 15 forced fumbles okay. 20 and a half tackles for loss and he set a single game record with five sacks against MSU Moorhead. Yeah. I mean, the that's, man that's dominating your competition level. That's true. His, he, his career in his career at Concordia, he had 36 and a half sacks. Mm. Pretty good. Yeah. For a college player of that level. And I mean, when you watch his tape, he's explosive. He wasn't the biggest guy, but man, he jumps off the ball quick. So he's a guy I would love to see the Steelers bring in just because of the upside. I think Brian Flores could really work with him, mold him and make him into a decent piece. But other than that, I don't know if there's a whole lot you can do at this point. Uh, yeah, I think the that the defensive coaches will have to get creative with pressures now if they don't try to bring in somebody else. And you saw that a little bit at the end of the game, bringing in Arthur Millette off the uh, nickel edge, you know, and they're going to have to dial up pressures a little bit more than, you know, just that front four wreaking havoc, which is what they were doing and which is what made the Steelers so successful on the back end early in this game against the Bengals. So it's a blow, man. But uh, I think the Steelers have enough players to be able to manufacture some pressure, but it may come at the cost of uh, the back end, the the secondary um, being able to just lurk on these passes. Well, the good thing for Steelers fans that are down in the dumps about injuries that the Steelers aren't the only team dealing with injuries. There are right. many teams across the league, but the most known injury outside of TJ Watt would probably be the injury to Dak Prescott that happened on mm. Sunday night football. Uh, another hand injury. He's had some issues with torn ligaments in his fingers, and he's he's dealt with some minor the, the injuries that look minor, appear to be minor, uh, but 
have held him out for extended periods of time. And it looks like this is going to be the same, at least six to eight weeks. Hmm. That means Dallas could be in the quarterback hunt. A lot of talk is about Jimmy Garoppolo, but it was mentioned today on the pre uh, on Monday on the pregame show for the Monday night game. Lewis Riddick had even brought it up. Mason Rudolph. Now there's going to be challenges yeah. with, as it pertains to the bringing in a quarterback that is not equipped to run their system, especially with Mike McCarthy, a guy who is very specific in the way he wants to run sign. He's very set in his ways a lot. And that's a lot of times to the detriment of his team, as we saw even in green Bay, but they do have James Washington. If James Washington can come back healthy, Mason Rudolph does have that connection with him from Oklahoma Mm -hmm. state. You know, he was not exactly a local guy, but from that region, Dallas was familiar with Mason Rudolph, played a lot in the Big 12, is familiar with the area. It seems like that would make a lot of sense for the Dallas Cowboys to go after Mason Rudolph, especially if Dak Prescott is going to return at some point this year. Could Mason Rudolph win three or four games in eight weeks? I think it's possible if he can get some help from his receivers who, I mean, their receiving core is pretty depleted right now. But Jeremy, do you think that it is possible that Mason Rudolph goes to the Dallas Cowboys? And if Dallas throws out an offer, how good would it need to be for you to accept it? It's possible. Um, I think it's more likely than a Garoppolo grab, if you will. Uh, I think the Niners have their own quarterback issue right now. They're not sure about Trey Lance, especially after a a week one poor showing there. And uh, Garoppolo is back with that team and it's going to be expensive for Dallas to move him. And obviously Dak is your starter moving forward. So uh, do you want a guy that is going to cost you that much uh, to bring in is going to come far cheaper uh, as far as how much they're going to have to pay him once he gets there, obviously. And I think if you're the Steelers at this point, if they're offering a fifth round pick, uh, a sixth round pick, even, I don't know, maybe you do that. Uh, You know, it, I understand why the Steelers want to keep him him on, but I could also understand if if the Cowboys come calling and Mason hears that they came calling, he's like, okay, you know, give me this opportunity. I, I'm going to have a chance to play when I get over there. And, uh, you know, if if that's true and he wants to reunite with James Washington and, and go to a little bit closer to home, then, hey, you know, I'd say the Steelers would be wise to, to give it consideration. Absolutely. Well, before we get to the topic of today's show in the second half, which is going to be the unsung heroes in the Steelers win over the Bengals, guys that you may not be thinking about, but guys that had a big impact in the Steelers' victory yesterday, we're going to introduce you to two new segments, and these are segments we're going to do every week. They're quick segments, but they're going to be fun segments. Now, you know Jeremy and I are both big into fantasy football and the NFL draft, and that's what a lot of the show resides on. We are big into it, passionate about it. So we have two new segments that we're going to be doing throughout the NFL and college football season. Jeremy, each week, is going to have his segment called Good Bets, Bad Bets. And if you listened to his show last year at this time, you may be familiar with some of his fantasy football takes. He's going to be bringing some of those back with this segment. He's going to spend roughly a minute on the good bets and uh, just his takes on what is going well in the fantasy football world, and then a minute on things that are not going so well and just concepts that you can use in your fantasy football leagues as you try to make deals and maneuver throughout the season. Well, I'm going to be doing a NFL draft two-minute drill, which is just breaking down some of the players from the previous week's action who impressed the most and caught my eye, whether it be statistical or just they put out some really good tape that NFL scouts are going to appreciate. So, Jeremy, are you ready 
for the first week of good bets and bad bets. I am. Uh, let's get it going. I'm, I'm excited to see how I uh, handle the clock here. It's going to be strategic, absolutely, because I got I got several things to talk about after a wild week one in fantasy. We've got to talk to Brian. Maybe we can get, you know, a little clock on here, the little buzzer at the end or something for future weeks. But for Sound now, drops, baby. <laughs> Jeremy and I are just going to time each other. I'll give you a warning at 10 seconds left. So your two cool. minutes okay. starts now. All right, let's start out in New York where Saquon Barkley ran rampant all over the Tennessee Titans, especially in the second half of that game. And for those like myself who put a lot of stock in Saquon Barkley going into this season, uh, I think I have him in about six of my uh, 10 leagues uh, and, you know, put a priority on getting him on my roster. It looks really good so far. A good start. I think Saquon's going to have a big year ahead of him. Let's talk about the Eagles offense. I think Jalen Hurts and uh, uh, A.J. Brown are the big storylines here coming out of out of this game against the uh, Detroit Lions. And you saw what that connection could potentially look like throughout this year. Any type of uh, reservations you had about that connection, throw them away. A.J. Brown's going to be a superstar this year. That's a fantastic stack. If you stacked that on your fantasy team, you're looking really good. Uh, and moving on to some running backs that we were very low on moving into this season that had big weeks. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire was highly involved in the Chiefs offense this week against a porous, yes, Cardinals defense. Uh, but he and Miles Sanders in in uh, Philadelphia had big games. Antonio Gibson had a huge game for the Washington Commanders. I was could not have been lower on Antonio Gibson going into this season. Uh, and then Cordero Patterson, who I was cautioning against uh, earlier in the fantasy process, this guy had another great start to his season. And Atlanta's going to use him a lot this off season. So some great got some, some great performances this week that wraps up the good bet side, bad bets. I feel like I'm falling Ten behind seconds. here. 10 seconds of injury fallout, Dak, Elijah Mitchell, Keenan Allen. What are we going to do with these guys? And is it time to panic for Najee? All right. It might be, it might be time to panic for Najee. We'll see. It's only been one week though. Oh man, man, that was you're terrible. going on those good ones, man. I mean, everything is good in the fantasy football world after week one. I'll tell uh, you what, two minutes goes by really fast unless you're trying to tread water for uh, your life guarding. Especially class. when you're not the one timing yourself and you have no yeah. clue where Sheesh. the clock is at. So, Sheesh. unless you're holding your breath or treading water, two minutes is fast. I know. I agree with you on some of those. Uh, so many surprises and it's that way in week one every year i think but yeah. uh this year uh to no lesser extent all right oh, it's time for your two minute drill jeremy do you got uh you want to time me for this one i do man and i you know i'm i'm not going to even give you any facial expressions or anything as to your time so not even a 10 uh, second warning well i'm going to give you that 10 second okay warning, all right i'm like that's cool get an unusual a, punishment a stone uh face from me for the for the remainder of it so here you go ready let's get it going ready set go 
Well, I'm going to start in West Virginia with wide receiver Bryce Ford Wheaton. He had an outstanding week one against Pitt, and he kept going this week. 11 more receptions, 152 yards, and two touchdowns. This guy is a true height, weight, speed guy. Six foot three, 220 pounds, probably going to run a 4-4, maybe even in the 4-3s at the combine. This guy's got a lot of talent. Don't be surprised if he continues to rise on draft boards. Maybe even into the second or third round, he may be a day two pick. Another guy I've got my eye on, Jordan Wright, edge rusher from Kentucky. He had six sackles, sackles. Oh, that's a new word. Tackles and sacks. Uh, he had one sack, <laughs> two tackles for loss, and six tackles. He also had one interception as well. Edge rusher from Kentucky. Guy who's got some good bends, some good burst around the edge. Another edge rusher who's had two good weeks in a row is Byron Young from Tennessee. Had two more tackles for loss, one sack, and three quarterback hurries in a pretty challenging uh fair against the solid offensive line a couple guys who didn't put up great numbers on the stat sheet aj woods from pittsburgh he had two passes defended and he has been really sound in coverage and then another guy who did impress me and i'll write about him in this uh week's uh stock report article which should come out middle of this week is stephen gilmore stefan gilmore's brother read more about him on the website behind the cornerback from marshall his height is all over the place. On It's listed differently on different sites, but roughly six foot, but only 170 pounds. He needs to add more weight, but he had a big interception return for a touchdown against Notre Dame, had a big part in their win and pulling off the upset. He is a guy I have my on as a potential guy who could maybe even play in the slot uh, in the NFL if he doesn't add more weight, but a guy that I think will add more weight and fall in the footsteps of his brother and potentially becoming a star outside cornerback in the NFL. And then Tuli Tui Pulutu, defensive lineman for USC. seconds. He's the brother of Eagles defensive lineman Marlon Tui Pulutu. Had a big game for USC against Stanford, the division rival. He's rising up boards. Could be a good three-tech or five-tech in uh, the NFL. Hey, we All got right. The... You did it. There we go. <laughs> so you were way better at your time management than me there. Well, I had a couple others I could have added, but um, we'll have to get into those another week. It's so difficult because there's so many receivers that put up good numbers each and every week. It's so hard to leave some of them out. But uh, nonetheless, we're – have still yet to get into the topic of today's show. So we're going to do that right after the break. You won't want to miss this because when we come back, we're going to be talking about some unsung heroes, guys that deserve more credit for what they did in the Steelers win against the Cincinnati Bengals. No, we're not talking about Evan McPherson missing kicks. We will be right back after this. Welcome back to the second half of the Steelers fix. Andrew Wilbar and Jeremy Betts back with you. Jeremy, we're going to get into the topic of today's show, and that's three unsung heroes in the Steelers win versus the Bengals. Both you and I came up with three players, and there could have been more, but guys that we feel aren't getting the recognition they deserve. We know the impact T.J. Watt made before he went out with an injury. We, everyone knows the impact that Minka Fitzpatrick made on defense and special teams. We know the impact that was made by specific players, but there's some guys that aren't getting as much recognition. Before we get into the list, I'm going to mention that Alex Highsmith is not on either one of our lists. He did indeed have three sacks, um, but I think you and I both agree when we when I say that he's not getting enough recognition for the performance yeah. he had getting three sacks and just playing a really great game overall. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, obviously he's a standout performer from the game, but when you look at um, 
who's being talked about. You're talking Minka, you're talking TJ. Obviously, the injury to TJ is overshadowing basically everything. But even talking Cam Hayward getting pushed, batting down passes and things like that. And, uh, you know, Highsmith taking advantage of his one-on-one matchups is not getting really talked about. And he forced the second turnover of the game with that strip sack fumble that Cam Hayward scooped up out of the air and uh, just a huge play. So absolutely uh, unsung, if you will. Maybe not to the point of some of these other guys that we're going to mention because he did have the standout sack performance. It'll be interesting to see how legitimate he will be without TJ Watt being on the other side. He's going to now see more of the attention. Uh, but fortunately, Steelers still have a good defensive line that will garner some of that attention away from Highsmith. Can I mention one that uh, we weren't necessarily going to talk about here? Yeah. Uh, but I think same kind of goes for Pat Fryermuth. I was uh-huh. going to, to list him, but he had five catches for 75 yards, and mm-hmm. I felt like that that is not necessarily an unsung performance, but I believe he was the Steelers' leading receiver yep. yardage-wise, and he – bailed out Trubisky a couple times on that final drive to get them um, into field goal range for Boz's game winner. And so, uh, you know, he's uh, – and obviously he took the trick play down to the, the three-yard line and the Steelers couldn't cash in on that. But he needs to be more involved in the red zone for this offense. And, uh, you know, he's got a chance to be special this year. And this week just only confirmed that for me. So. Most definitely. And even Zach Gentry, I didn't, I, he's the Michigan guy. I don't like mentioning Sure, um, yeah. But even that one catch. I mean, that was a big, uh, you know, that was a big encouragement to that Steelers offense at that time. at that point in the game, um, it was what the Steelers needed. And I thought they both helped out with edge pressure very yep. well in this game too. Um, I think more of what was getting to uh, Trubisky were the, the free, blitzers off of the the corners and up the middle uh where some of the interior offensive line and and then the unexpected guy uh not getting picked up by the running back that was those were where pressures were coming on Trubisky but I think those the tight ends kind of canceled the edge rush pretty well when they were asked to do so most definitely now Jeremy let's start at number three for you who do you have at the bottom of your list of the third Biggest unsung hero in Sunday's game for the Steelers. Sure. And I, I think this kind of, uh, I put this player down because he was so involved and yet his, his production didn't necessarily uh, correlate to a big, big game based on how much he was involved. But I think the Steelers have a plan for chase Claypool this year. He's going to be a big part of this offense. And um, Mitch Trubisky missed him a couple of times down the field uh, on plays that, potentially could have been big for the Steelers, but um, he was involved in the sweeps. He, he knows how to, to work those. I think uh, he had just the one where it was poorly blocked on the edge and they were kind of ready for it and he didn't quite get, get there. But other than that, he made positive gains and even had a really big run. And I think was even recorded as the fastest player of the week, uh, a fastest ball carrier of the week in the NFL uh, so far uh, in week one. So, you know, I think, this kind of lies under the there's a lot of potential for Chase Claypool this year to have a good year. And uh, I think that was unsung coming out of this game that he handled the ball. He had 10 touches. That was the most of any receiver uh, in the offense. Yeah. Chase Claypool is a guy, you know, we get so hooked on the fantasy numbers um, and I do the same, you know, but 
he had a big impact in that game. Just the way that they yeah. moved him around the field, you could tell that defenses still have some respect for Chase Claypool. They still know what he is capable of doing. He's going to have a big part in the Steelers' offense this year. And he played 90% of the snaps. That was the most of any of the wide receivers. That's incredible. Well, so. That is really incredible. My third guy is Cameron Sutton. I was a little bit frustrated with him at points in the game, especially sure. with that big penalty that almost blew the game. Yeah. But when Levi Wallace went down outside of the penalty and some of the other things that came along with that on that drive, he held his own in coverage and he yeah. made the, he had a nice pass defended later in the game um, that just about saved a touchdown. Uh, it, he had a big part uh, in the Steelers success on defense toward the end of that game um, is really what saved the Steelers uh, toward the end of that game with, you know, just the, injuries at that time you know tj watt you got so you're not don't have as much pass rush and then of course levi wallace out there i mean that's sudden was all the steelers had at corner and he stepped up to the challenge out again outside of that penalty he stepped up to the challenge and i've got i had to mention him because not a whole lot of people are talking about him but that interception was big but most importantly his play in coverage outside the penalty on that last drive was huge for the steelers mm. defense yeah absolutely i thought he was you know he was cam sutton uh, a guy who makes a, a few plays here and there, and then also you pull your hair out a couple times. But, yeah, the plays he did make were crucial to a victory, and I think that that, uh, you know, was definitely unsung uh, in in this game. Now, Jeremy, who do you have at number two? So I kind of have a tag team uh, duo here, and it's the uh, two interior guys on uh, the Steelers' defense, and that's Alawalu and Ogunjobi. Uh, Tyson Alawalu and Larry Ogunjobi, I thought, had a very good game bottling up uh, Joe Mixon for the most part. He had on like fourth or third down and one or fourth and one or something like that that went down to the two uh, where the Steelers stacked the box and the run blitz just missed. And then, you know, it was up to Minka to save a touchdown, which he did. Uh, but still, you know, I think from where we were last year to what we saw, uh, I think you're going to see a much improved uh, rush defense and, and those two guys kind of anchored that and they didn't have huge statistics uh, but they really bottlenecked the middle and uh, forced Joe Mixon to kind of create his own yardage and uh, it also allowed Miles Jack to have a big game and I'll talk about him here in a minute as well yeah Jeremy were there any Steelers fans in your family that are friends that you have that were saying man I really miss Stefan to it no. <laughs> oh, I mean, no. Larry Ogunjobi filled that spot absolutely perfectly. Yeah. Um, great yeah. choice there. I love that one. You know, I was going to mention him at some point. I've got to go with Devin Bush, and I I'm not yeah. going to steal absolutely. Jeffrey Benedict's thunder because I know that he's going to be talking about this on the Steelers' cutting room floor, which make sure you go and check that out. I know that he's uh, – I believe he's we, planning on talking about that this we week. We absolutely have to talk about this. We have to. Devin Bush. Yeah, absolutely. He played. I mean, I mean, Jer and Jeremy, you and I both agreed a lot of it. And we defended Devin Bush throughout a lot of the offseason. Yeah. And he he played well. I mean, he he, did. he he played well in coverage. He diagnosed the run better than what he looked like he did in the preseason. He's yeah. not quite to the level of what yet of what we saw in the early portions of 2020 before his ACL injury, but he looks like a guy that's going to be a big part of this defense. If he can just keep that up, it looks like whether it's Brian Flores or something, something's gotten into his head and he's finally turning that corner. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, 
you know, a lot of the talk about uh, Bush this offseason was that he just doesn't look like he's trying anymore. And I never really saw that necessarily. I think he's tr- he was out his role because it has changed. I think it has changed with Miles Jack in the fold. He's not the guy that uh, he was kind of drafted to be. I think that that also plays into it, the expectations with him being traded up for a top 10 pick, all of that. But when you just look at him in this game, he was flying around the football field and uh, effort was there. And he had five um, total tackles. So, you know, not a huge game statistically, but I think that he he was impactful. And I think when you look at, I don't, I haven't seen the PFF grades yet, but I think he got a rather high PFF grade mm-hmm. this week. And uh, it was because he was where he needed to be on a play-by-play basis. He was good in zone coverage when they asked him to drop. And I think that uh, a lot of those plays where Joe Burrow's looking two, three different ways before either firing off a pass or getting hit and sacked, that's because Miles Jack and Devin Bush were in the middle of the field and blocking off a lot of those those zone passing lanes that Burrow had a, an easy time dissecting last year. So definitely a huge game for Bush in the aspect of a f- big step in the right direction. Definitely an unsung hero to me as well. Most definitely. And I think the other thing to think about with Devin Bush is that you didn't see him trailing defenders in coverage either. You know, he you know, you didn't see a whole lot from him, but that was a good thing. The only time that Bush was really noticeable was on that uh, swing pass to Samaj P. Ryan that went about 20 yards down the sideline when the Bengals were threatening to score and he carried them all the way down the sideline. Yeah. Uh, you know, so Devin Bush looked really good. That should be an encouragement to all Steelers fans, but Jeremy, his counterpart sounds like you're pretty yeah. high on his, uh, this where you're going with your number one. It is. And there's just so many guys on this defense that had a good game. We've talked about a lot of them. Um, but Miles Jack was exactly what the Steelers brought him in to be. And he thumped in the run game better than I thought he could. I mm-hmm. thought that he would not be that good in the run game, but he showed that he he takes he takes tackling the, the ball carrier seriously, and he did that to the tune of 10 tackles in this game, which is which is really good. Second leading tackler on the team. Um, and you know, he's gonna get overshadowed a lot this year because of the play of Cam Hayward and Minka Fitzpatrick and hopefully TJ Watt coming back, but um, he's going to make some plays too. And I think he's long and uh, he's got a good, a great ability to diagnose the the play and stretch the field uh, and pursue the ball carrier. And uh, you know, you don't often see two linebackers on the same team that are very similar um, in athleticism and, uh, Devin Bush and Miles Jack at their best might be one of the most athletic linebacker duos in the entire league, definitely in the AFC. And uh, you're looking at uh, a guy in Miles Jack that should only get better as the season goes. And this was a great start for Jack in this game. Yeah, I bashed the signing when it happened just because I didn't know how is he going to play with Devin Bush. I mean, he's not the right style. They tried putting him in like a buck role before he failed. That's why they brought in Joe Schobert from Cleveland and he yeah. failed in that role before the Steelers brought Joe Schobert right. in. So it just didn't seem to make sense, but miles Jack looked really good. And regardless of what the roles are, it's like, they're not even defined roles for the entire season. It's like he and Bush can just 
they're kind of they're not necessarily hybrid guys, but the guys that are just being asked to wear more hats, but they're not being required to wear the same hat all the time. And that may be exactly what Devin Bush needs, like you said. And it could be exactly what Miles Jack needs to kind of re- not necessarily revive his career, but I mean, he he's not what he was earlier on in his career. He's taken a little bit of a yeah. step back. Maybe this is what he needs to refresh it. Just switching up his role a little bit, moving, being able to move around in Brian Flores' schemes and Terrell Austin's schemes. Maybe that's yeah, what he needs. I'm, yeah. Neither of these guys have to be Batman in this defense. There's several guys ahead of them that can be that. And, you know, it was it was telling to me that they both played free football in this game yep. and it led to success for both guys. Well, we're going to finish out this with my number one guy and feel free to comment on this, Jeremy. And mm. it, it seems weird to call the quarterback, the unsung hero, but if you go on Twitter, man, you'd think <laughs> that Mitch Trubisky played exactly like he did in Chicago in his 2020 year, you know, when he was benched yeah. for Nick Foles. I mean, it was not necessarily a perfect outing, but he didn't turn the ball over. He was accurate for the most part. There were a couple throws where he was pressured and he made, you know, a risky decision, threw it into traffic. But at the end of the day, he did exactly what the Steelers brought him in to do. He didn't turn the ball over and he made mm-hmm. plays when he needed to. That throw, that cr- across the grain throw to Fryermuth, yeah, man, that was good. Having that vision. Yeah. I mean, the this offensive line was it was what we expected to be. It was not good. Mr. Trubisky was still under a lot of pressure. The sack numbers mm. weren't that high, but that's because Trubisky can actually avoid pressure. Last year, Ben Roethlisberger couldn't. He did a lot in just avoiding the pressure and not taking negative plays. That was big in and of itself. And then when Mason Cole finally starts getting acclimated, starts doing a little bit better than the offensive line, starts to you know settle down a little bit, goes down with an injury. First couple snaps, yeah. JC has now. I mean, those were horrible snaps. Yeah. But, and you know, you can't blame Trubisky for that. And yeah. but overall, I think he handled the adversity well. You know, he was patient in the pocket. He didn't rush his decisions despite being under pressure. I felt like he performed very well for his first game in black and gold. And the most important thing is when it mattered in overtime, he came up with enough plays to put the Steelers in a position to win the game. And he did it. Yeah. I mean, you obviously would want more from mm-hmm. the offense as a whole and from Trubisky as the leader of that offense. And I think it'll come uh, and it won't be every week, Right. but Steelers fans was, were we expecting an offense that capitalized on every turnover and that put up 30 points a game? Is that what we were expecting? No, it was not what we were expecting. You know, we, <laughs> we get into the season. It's like, this offense is terrible. And you know, they didn't play very good. They didn't take advantage in a lot of, in a lot of regards. So I understand the thought process there, but the the offense was responsible for for closing out the game, which is what you want, and uh, they they did their part, like you said. And Trubisky, when it counted, he made the plays necessary. The defense put him in position countless times to do it beforehand, and uh, he couldn't take advantage at that point. But when the game was on the line, um, he did it. And to your point, he did not make the backbreaking turnover on the Steelers' end that could have evened out the game even more. So uh, I think overall you'll take it for week one, uh, but you do want to see more out of him. So I, I definitely see where you're coming from as a unsung hero in this game should be maybe not getting as much flack as he is on the internet waves. 
And how much of it really, ha- again, had to do with that offensive line? How much is that holding this offense back as a whole? I mean, it seems like we talk about it in every conversation, but it's like it's almost no way to avoid it at this point. What is it going to take for the Steelers to invest seriously yeah. in this offensive line? What about Matt Canada and the play calling, though? I think that that has to come up, too. Oh, you know, yeah, it's definitely. Like, how does – you know, Trubisky can only do what he's being told to do, right? Yeah. And so the, the offense still showed – no semblance of an intermediate passing game. And we were excited about that potentially being in the game plan uh, in the preseason. We saw it from Kenny Pickett and from Trubisky. And uh, we saw it work, uh, especially in the two minute drives and the, and the tempo drives. Um, But we still did not see an intermediate passing game. And the Steelers are going to have to work the middle of the football field in the intermediate passing game. If they want to get better, Canada is going to have to look at, is this, partially me you know <laughs> and the Steelers do too Mike Tylen needs to as well he needs to they need to figure it out as a whole but like you said Trubisky can't shoulder all the blame and he also can't you can't hang all the success on him either uh so it kind of fits right here in the middle uh with where we've got him put yeah when you have seven or more sacks in a game five turnovers yeah. and all that going for you and still almost lose. That's when the coaches just kind of have to take a look in the mirror and say, you know, what are we doing that we can maybe fix and make things better? Yeah. Before we close, Jeremy Patriots Steelers home opener, first Ooh. regular game at Acrisure stadium. Are the Steelers going to come out victorious? Do you have any prediction early prediction? Uh, the Patriots were the only team whose offense looked maybe as bad uh, other than the Jets. I, I shouldn't say the only team, but you know, the only offense that looked uh, as inept as Pittsburgh's maybe in week one. And, uh, you know, I think if you if you bet over-unders, bet the under <laughs> in this game coming up, if, if that's kind of what you do. Uh, if you – that would be my biggest takeaway, my biggest prediction. This is going to be a low-scoring affair, most likely in Pittsburgh. Uh, and the defenses will, will be the catalyst for uh, – victory or defeat uh, on both sides. So I would say expect a defensive struggle. And uh, I would say the Steelers should, they should be favored in this game. In my opinion, I don't think they are, uh, but you know, that's the way of, of how it goes. And uh, I would just say, if you're a Steelers fan, you should expect them to be competitive in this game. And I would say a two and O start is not out of the question uh, by any stretch, even without TJ Watt potentially. I'm going to say Steelers win 16 to 14. I think Nick Folk will miss a field goal kick at some point in the game. Um, and that is going to be the difference maker for the Patriots. And I think the Steelers will come out victorious. And again, the offense will do enough. And, you know, we may not see as many turnovers on the defensive side, but hopefully we see some form of life from the offense, yeah. regardless of whether Najee Harris plays or not. Jeremy, where can people find you on the website and on Twitter? On the website, uh, you can take a look at my power rankings. Uh, they're going to come out uh, likely on Wednesday and uh, I'm just going to update that throughout the season. And uh, I've always wanted to do that. It's going to be fun. I'm excited for it. I did a preseason one. So if you uh, look at that, that was kind of leading into the preseason in week one, my power rankings, this will update that as we go into week two, uh, you can see that. And then uh, before uh, the, the game, I'm going to continue my fantasy uh, starts and sits column that I started this last week. So that's what's coming up for me on the website. And then you can follow me on Twitter at the bets 93. All my articles post there. This show posts there. Uh, T H E B E T Z nine, three 
That's my Twitter. Follow me there. You can follow me at Andrew underscore Wilbar. That's at Andrew underscore Wilbar. And more NFL draft content coming. Stock reports each week as well as previews for the upcoming week. So be sure to check all that out and all the other great content at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com as we get you ready for the Steelers hosting the Patriots this Sunday, 1 o'clock, Akersher Stadium on CBS. Can't wait, Jeremy. Thank you. It's been a great show. Looking forward to it next week again. Have a good one.